Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, December 9th, 2021. This Sunday, Lord willing, I will be preaching the final message in the Gospel of John at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, concluding a journey that we began back in November of 2019. Now here in mid-December 2021, we will wrap up our study through all 21 chapters of the Gospel of John. And as I think through all the different texts that we've looked at and all just the riches that we have seen there in the gospel of John, it's all good. It's all better than good. It's all amazing. But there are some passages that even still stand out even more than some of the rest. And as I think through that for the gospel of John, one passage I come back to is John 15. And today we are reading John 15 uh, in verses 1 through 17. And just this whole picture, really, of the vine and the branches is one that uh, really spoke to me quite a bit as we studied it. I think it's so helpful, so powerful, so beautiful. And so I want us to come back and revisit uh, some of the things and slowly work our way through this picture. And the goal for all of us should be, I want to be this fruitful branch. Uh, I want to live a fruitful life for Jesus Christ. Well, what does that look like? And as we look at these verses in John 15, we kind of see a couple different pictures. One, we see a warning against kind of the opposite of what we're going for. And then we see uh, really the path towards a fruitful life. Uh, The warning comes as it talks about, even in verse, well, let's start in verse one. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, what's going on there? He takes away the branches that don't bear fruit. Uh, well, what, what does, what does he do with those? Well, verse six says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. So here, I think where there's a warning against somewhat a fruitlessness that is not really indicative of true salvation. It's showing you don't really abide in Christ. You're not really connected to Christ. And that's a very clear message. I think we see all throughout scripture, a warning against people who will make some claim of faith in Christ or some claim of allegiance to Christ, But their life shows that that claim is meaningless and is not really meant, right? Consider Matthew chapter 7, where it talks about people saying, Lord, Lord, and Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. And then they even go through this list of good things they felt like they had done. And he says, no, you are workers of lawlessness, depart from me. Or consider 1 John, where it warns us the one who says that he has fellowship with God, but walks in darkness is a liar. And I think first and foremost, we have to realize that that person is lying to themselves. And especially in our culture, uh, where Christianity, at least in some nominal sense, is so prevalent, this is something that we need to 
caution against. Just saying the right words does not indicate necessarily true salvation. Just saying, yeah, sure, I believe in Jesus. What Jesus is looking for is an abiding in him, a really living connection with him that can only come through true repentance and faith. Uh, but our goal is not just, all right, I want to be in. We, no, we want to be fruitful and we want to experience the life that Christ wants us to have. And now what is that going to look like? We're going to see several things. And I want you to see what a beautiful picture this is. Uh, Jesus wants us to experience this fruitful, joyful, uh, abundant life, right? Remember Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. How do I get that life? And that's where John 15 really helps us out. Uh, And we're reminded even there in verse two again, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there early on in the chapter is something we need to acknowledge is, do we want that fruitful, abundant life? One component of that is going to be pruning. Uh, And if you think about pruning, right, if in any gardening experience you have, you realize that's that's cutting that takes something sharp and and cuts off things. And it's must be a painful process, you would imagine, uh, so to speak. Right. And as God prunes us, that's not always the most enjoyable process. But that's where from the start, what's our attitude going to be towards God's pruning? Is it going to be resentment? Is it going to be I don't like this? Or is it going to be I'm accepting what God has done because my goal is to honor him, to glorify him, to live a fruitful life. And as we want to do that, um, we will accept his pruning with humility. And really that humility will show a whole attitude of dependence. And that's what we see, I think, in this picture and imagery of abiding. So you look at verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him and him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. What we need to have that attitude of total dependence on God. We need to wake up every day and basically say, I can't do it. It doesn't matter if I had a good night's sleep and feel well rested and feel have a plan for today. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And every day we need to express that dependence towards God. And then even as we think, well, what does that abiding look like? It gets a little more specific in verse seven. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there we see the elements of God's word and prayer as critical to abiding in him. That we abide in him and specifically his words abide in us. Are you letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly? And it's from that that flows out this this confident prayer that we ask whatever we wish and we have confidence that it will be done. And a lot of people look at a phrase like that and say, eh, I don't know about that. Ask whatever you wish. That sounds kind of like Disney. And you know what? I think I've asked for some things that haven't happened. So I don't know about this verse. And I think one of our biggest problems is we disconnect, ask whatever you wish from what came right before it. This kind of confident Asking in prayer flows out of a heart and a soul that has God's word abiding in it. 
And really, I believe those prayers will flow from God's word. As we know what his will is, we can go confidently in Jesus' name, asking God for what we wish, asking God for his will, and we can know that it will be done. And another thing it says in verse nine is the father has loved me. So have I loved you abide in my love. That's an amazing comparison. Uh, We think about the great love that Jesus has for us. Well, this kind of says there's actually a love that is comparable to that, that we don't think about as much the love that the father has for the son. And that's the way that Jesus loves us. And he invites us to abide in his love. Are you abiding in his love today? Are you aware that in spite of all the circumstances in your life, Jesus loves you and he loves you with the most perfect love that there could possibly be. And that abiding in trust will lead to uh, keeping his commandments. And oftentimes we are much more concerned with our circumstances than we are with God's commandments. When you're faced with difficult circumstances this week, let your number one desire be God. Let me keep your commandments. And it is through all of these things that we experience what it promises in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So just as we remember this beautiful passage in John 15, my prayer is that we would abide in Christ, have that dependence, let his word abide in us, rely on him in prayer, trust and abide in his love as we keep his commandments, and that as a result of that, we would all have joy that is full. Now I want us to transition and see what I think is actually an example of some of the things we see in John 15 in a place you might not expect, and that is in Daniel, Daniel chapters 9 and 10 today. And one, we just see an amazing prayer in Daniel 9. We also see some amazing prophecy um, in this chapter, but also we see some of these elements. Notice what is this chapter about? It is a prayer. He is asking God. That was prayer was something that was mentioned in John 15. But notice even how his prayer flowed from the scriptures. In verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So he was reading Jeremiah and it was That, that prompted this incredible prayer. Uh, See how prayer flows from the word of God. And also it seems that Daniel was someone who is abiding in the love of God. Notice a couple times how he is told that he is loved. In verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. Or in chapter 10, verse 11, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, right? He is reminded that he is greatly loved. And what an encouraging thing that must have been. And one of the interesting parts, I'd encourage you read Jeremiah's prayer, Daniel's prayer in chapter nine, and let that be an example and a pattern for us as we pray for our nation. But also there's the very interesting 70 weeks prophecy at the end of this chapter. And sometimes you talk about, you might think people talk about this tribulation, this period of seven years, where does that come from? Well, certainly you're seeing some of that revelation, but you also see that uh, here, the 70 weeks, really the idea is 77s. And these weeks are not seven days, but seven years. And there's clearly 69 weeks, and we don't have time to do this now, but if you get into it, that the timing of that leads precisely to Jesus Christ. And then there's that kind of 
now this gap to this seventh week. Um, and that's what we're going to see then in that uh, seven-year tribulation period that we see more detail on in the book of Revelation. And speaking of that detail, today we look at Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. And here we read about these two witnesses. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation about who these witnesses may or may not be. And I think that's hard to have certainty on. But what we see, I think the right understanding is that we are going to see these two men uh, bear witness and do these signs that are recorded here. And it talks about during that time of tribulation. And it talks about just what they will do with shutting the sky, that there is no rain, and even just how they will um, breathe out or fire pours out of their mouths and consumes their foes, but that then they will basically be killed, but then they will be raised, and it seems that they will ascend into heaven. Um, and I know a lot of people then, well, maybe that's maybe Elijah will be one of these guys since he never really died. And I think, again, it's hard to be certain about that, but these two witnesses will seem to be a prominent feature of that seven-year period for that span of, it says, uh, 1,260. 60 days as they will bear witness really to the truth. Uh, finally, we look at Psalm 140 verses 1 through 5. And as we get started with this psalm today, again, we see a prayer for deliverance. And it's a good minder, reminder for us as believers when we feel squeezed by the world, uh, we have a place that we can go for deliverance. We have a place that we can go for defense. And I hope that encourages you today. And even that idea of deliverance and defense, that sounds kind of like abiding in Christ, looking to him, depending on him. And I hope all of us abide in Christ today. And as a result, experience that rich and joyful life that he talks about. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.